0: Dearest Fadi, it's great to see you again, uh, always great to see you. Thank you so much for making the time to have this conversation with me about the changing nature of strategic philanthropy in the Middle East and North Africa and elsewhere. Uh, throughout much of your career in both your words and your actions, you've been an important uh, action and, and thought leader on so many of these topics, uh, Particularly, I'm particularly interested to hear your perspectives on the intersection Uh, between business and philanthropy today, and how we can strengthen uh, that nexus here uh, in the Middle East. For anybody that's not aware, uh, in which case case, shame on you, uh, Fadi Ghendour is one of the uh, most uh, acclaimed entrepreneurs in the Middle East and North Africa. And for more than three decades, he's been inspiring and leading uh, on this front. Uh, One of Fadi's early successes was uh, as the founder of Aramex, which he successfully led, for over 30 years, turning it uh, into one of the world's leading logistics companies. And outside of Aramex, Fadi's been involved in many, many successful uh, enterprises uh, throughout his career, uh, launching and helping to launch dozens of uh, companies and nonprofits uh, spanning a wide range of industries uh, and sectors. Uh, He's best known today perhaps as the executive chairman of uh, the Wanda Group Uh, Which uh, is a comprehensive uh, platform uh, that invests uh, in uh, the ecosystem for entrepreneurship uh, in the Middle East and North Africa. And if you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend you visit uh, Wamda W A M D A dot com because it's uh, an incredible and highly highly impactful platform. It's no secret to those that know him that Fadi is also a very generous philanthropist who brings the same entrepreneurial spirit and uh, rigor to his nonprofit initiatives uh, as he does to his uh, business endeavors. Most notably, perhaps Fadi is the founder and chairman of uh, Ruad Tanmia which uh, is a private sector led community empowerment platform that supports vulnerable communities uh, in a variety uh, of ways, including in uh, Jordan, Lebanon, Palestine, and uh, Egypt. And that's where I'd like to, be- to begin our conversation today Aziz Ifadi, can you start by telling everyone watching this about Ruad, its journey to date, uh, and perhaps what you've learned along the way that you wish you, you uh, knew at the outset?
1: Well, let me start uh, better by thanking you for this incredibly generous uh, introduction. I am honored, and it's such a pleasure for me to to share this platform with you and talk about issues that, uh, that matter to us in, in, our, uh, in our lives and how we view the future of this region and how we view the future of the world. And you, you are doing incredible work at, at the center uh, at Cambridge University for uh, strategic philanthropy. It is so essential for, uh, not for only for us here in the region, but it's a global issue that continues to be with us. So, uh, uh, and I'd love that this region uh, tags along and actually catches up to what uh, what the rest of the world, uh, at least the developed world has been doing. So if I take I'll take your uh, question on Rouad and say that it is at the heart of of, of strategic ph- philanthropy. So it's 15 years old now. We're actually this weekend we're we're celebrating our 15th year with our com- uh, community. Uh, unfortunately, virtually. Uh, because of the situation of of this COVID, but but RUAD is about what I would call the dual marginalization of of certain communities. So we know the marginalized communities, so I don't need to explain to you who the marginalized are. They know themselves and we know who they are. But I also say that us in the private sector, the entrepreneurial community, if they don't participate in the development process of the countries they live in or of the communities they they touch, then they have we have self-marginalized. So we've put ourselves outside of this development process, outside of this essential participation in the development of our communities, and left it and abdicated a role that is essential for us. You know, this whole story of the business of business is only business, is, is as you know, the, the business roundtable in the US now finally said this doesn't work anymore. Uh, but those of us that have been practicing this, you are one of them, and many of the people you're interviewing, it is not only the business of business to do business. There is uh, a social responsibility for business, uh, not in the PR type of social responsibility. We live in communities, we affect them, they affect us, right? Right. And so we cannot deny that. And we cannot say if you only pay taxes or if you only uh, you know adhere to rules and regulations, then you're, that's your uh, uh, social responsibility. So RUAD, at the core of it is how do we bring the private sector from its marginalization to marginalized communities and work with them so that we feel that we are all part of a community to see how we can do the development. So what we do there is we work with youth uh, on the on, on character building. So. We say you are going to you want to go to university and get your degree fine, but you're going to come to this community center. We establish community centers in every uh, marginalized area we choose. And we say over the weekends, you're going to be doing things that affect your community. So you're going to do volunteer work. You're going to give us four hours of volunteer work to do community work in your community to solve your own problems so that you own your own streets. So stop complaining and let's not complain about, this is not happening here, this is not happening here, government has forgotten us. Well, let's see, do we own, uh, can we have initiatives to, to fix our own problems? Do we have enough knowledge to do that? Do we have uh, uh, the capabilities as youth and people who participate with them and help them to actually get themselves to feel that the initiative is owned by them and they, they, this character builds effectively and gives them something that the universities don't uh, don't actually give them. And so this is funded purely by private sector and it is about really community mobilization for the youth uh, by the youth at the end of the day.
0: So I like the fact that Ruad is an unashamedly private sector led initiative. Uh, seven years ago, you made a very persuasive call for something you called uh, corporate entrepreneurship responsibility, which you're just talking about now, which which is what I understand it to be really a call for private sector organizations to support the development of entrepreneurship ecosystems in their own backyards. Mm-hmm. Given that businesses that from the Middle East, or do you think that businesses in the Middle East are doing enough to address the region's own social and, and economic challenges? And what have you found to be Uh, The the most effective ways to get more local businesses and business leaders to be more deeply engaged in enhancing uh, and meeting societal needs uh, more directly and more perhaps authentically.
1: Thanks, Baghdad, for this question. It's a very important question. The, The idea of corporate entrepreneurship responsibility is to kill the concept of CSR. Right. We need to kill that because it is such a PR story so that the private sector can actually feel good about itself. And it goes out and does, you know, and places its CSR programs in in its uh, advertising and uh, and. and marketing departments and that's when you know when that they're really not serious about it so the idea of corporate entrepreneurship responsibility again falls back to the question how do you get the private sector actually to feel the importance of doing things in their community and, uh, and the responsibility. So, so for me, it was, what do we do in the private sector? We're entrepreneurs, we know how to employ, we have uh, networks, we, have, we can lobby government, we can do all sorts of things for entrepreneurs that are emerging. So I'm saying, okay, you want to do stuff, private sector? Do it with entrepreneurs. This is what you know how to do. So let's not uh, beat around the bush and find projects. Let's do work with entrepreneurs because it falls at the heart of the businesses that you do. Um, it's not requesting you to do anything extra. Just think what does your business have? Do you have people of knowledge that you can mentor entrepreneurs? Do you want to invest in entrepreneurs, et cetera? Et cetera. You know the rest. I mean, I don't need to over explain that. So it is sticking uh, uh, really at the core of what a private sector does and telling them to do more for entrepreneurship because of the ultimate aim in our region and globally today. You know, there is a challenge of employment uh, and there is a problem of unemployment and youth that are not able to find jobs and they're graduating by the millions, right? So how, do, how best to create jobs is to create more companies. And how do you create more companies? By having entrepreneurs. And so the private sector has that responsibility to take its capabilities, its knowledge, its networks to actually help these entrepreneurs uh, establish their businesses, ease it, make it more easy and stuff. Do we do, more, do, we do a lot of it here in the region? No. I mean, uh, 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 we're doing much more than than, uh, when I started my business 30 years ago. Uh, But is it enough? No, it is essential. It is at the core of us having secure, stable communities and societies so that we can live in a society that cares about its well-being. And we need to step up. You can actually make money by supporting entrepreneurs. So if we want to take it all the way up to doing uh, good, doing, uh, you know, benefiting from it and doing good at the same time, fine and dandy, let's do that. But step up uh, and take uh, whatever capabilities you have and put them uh, in in, in the service of how do you create new jobs and new new companies and new opportunities for the youth that, that we care about.
0: You're absolutely right. And every company really uh, and every size of company has a role to play because uh, fundamentally uh, the DNA of every business needs to be entrepreneurial. And so the, everyone has has the opportunity to, to play a part and to play a role in that. And the other thing I think I might mention there is um, uh, just being a little bit careful to make sure that we don't... Um, uh, you know, the, I guess uh, there's one type of entrepreneurship that's sometimes uh, neglected in this part of the world. Uh, you know, we, we often uh, fall into the trap of thinking about entrepreneurship solely in terms of the young graduate building a tech company in his or her garage. And that's one type of entrepreneur, perhaps you know, even the modern day stereotype, which is modeled on the Silicon Valley uh, uh, stories. Uh, but it's not the only type. We obviously have a thriving community of, of micro and small uh, businesses here in the region, which is really the backbone of our economies, owned and led by already successful entrepreneurs who've already proven that they know how to build and run successful companies, right? These are people with actual businesses, not just business plans. So I think uh, also a big part of our ongoing effort as a community must be to support uh, these proven uh, micro and small businesses uh, and business owners to scale up their operations. Because in some ways, and to the point you just made about creating jobs and opportunities, these existing businesses uh, run by very capable entrepreneurs stand perhaps in some cases a, a better chance of impacting our socioeconomic landscapes and creating new productive jobs, uh, at least in the short term uh, and, and the medium term. Um, yeah. So so I'd love to um, move to uh, philanthropy. Uh, how would you describe the state of philanthropy in the Middle East in general? What have you found to be the most uh, distinctive characteristics of charity or philanthropy in the region that people should be aware of.
1: Look, I, I mean, I'm no expert on this subject, but I'll tell you what my own observations are. So there is less strategic philanthropy, and there's a lot of giving. So, and and my view, and and maybe the center eventually will highlight that is how do you actually bring this giving into a strategic positioning because. Uh, it, when you do it strategically, you're, you're thinking very carefully about the impact and long-term impact, uh, uh, Better, It is essential because at the end of the day, uh, let's call it charity for now. Uh, if I'm doing charity because I do it uh, uh, from a Zakat perspective, uh, which is fantastic, or I do it because uh, culturally I have to do it, or because philosophically I have that philosophy, uh, the critical element is how do we get societies in need to stand on their feet and not be in need? Uh, because uh, you know, and that's what strategic philanthropy is about. So it's it's the old concept is you know you you, you get them to learn how to fish or do you give them the fish, etc. You know that's a cliche, but at the end of the day, uh, you know the well-being of society is about society being uh, pr- proud, self-empowered. Uh, 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 owning their own destiny in various ways. Uh, So the region needs more uh, strategic philanthropy. I don't think it is there but there's a lot of giving and it is about also spreading the word. It's it's about learning, it's about education, it's about uh, having that discussion with these people that give and want to give and they're genuine about their giving. How do you get them to think about it from a strategic perspective so that they actually impact society. I'll tell you something here, but there there is also, uh, one, there is not much dialogue, uh, and I think your platform could make a lot of sense for us, but you need to bring in the the public sector in it also, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, development, if it is not thought about from a societal perspective and people of impact uh, holistically, Then uh, then there's something missing. So it's not only about government. It's not only about uh, social entrepreneurs. It's not only about civil society or NGOs or global uh, uh, impact organizations. It's about the private sector. So how do we get everyone together? So holistically, we address this issue in our region. We don't have much of that. It is haphazard, once in a while, knee jerk reaction. Let's get the private sector to talk to them. Let's do this, let's do that. Our laws and regulations are scared of, uh, of nonprofits. Uh, they're restrictive sometimes for political reasons, fine. I appreciate that, I appreciate the worry, but let's have that discussion and bring in the people of goodwill who really wanna do stuff. Let's find ways to actually do this together rather than worry about what intentions are. There are a huge amount of good intentions out there that helps government solve the challenges of society so that we can all shoulder the responsibility together.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And let me zoom out of the region just a little bit and look perhaps more broadly at the uh, emerging markets. Uh, The top 30 fastest growing economies last year were all in emerging markets, including of course, a number of countries from the Middle East, but also many in Africa and South Asia, and a lot, a lot of new wealth is being generated with a new generation of strategic philanthropists uh, beginning to emerge in a number of these countries that, uh, although they might not have a long history of institutional philanthropy, like what you've been talking about, most if not all have deep rooted traditions in giving. What impact do you think that this could have on the nature and practice of strategic philanthropy over the next few decades and how can we ensure that this new generation of philanthropists has access to the tools and knowledge that they will need to maximize their impact
1: better this is an essential question not not only i mean globally yes and in emerging markets the new wealth that's being generated in the past 15 years because of the digitization of the economies and the new businesses that are popping up i mean you're having It's, uh, you know, I can't even calculate the wealth that is being generated today. So how and these people five
0: trillion. Sorry to interrupt you. So uh, the projection that I've seen is five trillion dollars across the emerging markets, transitioning to the next generation within the next 15 to 20 years. So there's the opportunity.
1: It's it's fantastic. And you know what? You know, these entrepreneurs are different. They're socially aware. They are much younger. Uh, They they grew up in a different uh, time and and they are seeing the challenges of society and there is there are role models there. you know the essentiality of role models you know what bill gates has done uh, in in his giving pledge initiative uh, and then what he is doing with his foundation uh, is you know he's the 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 story you know he built his business he made his uh, money and he wants to give it away all mostly probably in his lifetime and he thinks about how he wants to impact the world and i think uh, in a variation of that model, uh, uh, you know, all these young new entrepreneurs who have generated wealth that they don't know what to do with all that money. Anyway, you know, I think, it, but you need channels, you need ways, you need to have that again, back to the dialogue, because uh, you will be able to solve the problem, many problems of the world because entrepreneurs not only give away money, uh, but they have ideas. They are creative. They are innovative. Their brain thinks solutions, they don't think only problems. They are much more uh, uh, agile and much more, uh, uh, you know, structurally built to solving problems, matching that with their wealth. So uh, that ability of doing both, uh, uh, which is a new s- type of social impact organizations, maybe we need to call them an entrepreneurial impact organizations that go out and solve many of the problems that, that we have from, from uh Uh, from education to uh, the environment, etc. I mean, all of these problems cannot be solved and will not be solved by governments alone. Mm
0: -hmm. So precisely to that point, uh, one of the projects that's being considered at the Center for Strategic Philanthropy is the creation of a philanthropy accelerator uh, that could identify what you've been talking about, but promising philanthropic Uh, initiatives across the emerging markets and help them scale impact. You obviously have a lot of experience in this area. Um, To what extent do you believe that one can apply traditional entrepreneurial principles to the evaluation and scaling up of philanthropic initiatives and or organizations? And this, I mean this, uh, my question is particularly in the context of this idea for a philanthropy accelerator.
1: And, and I'm, I'm a believer that you, uh, the entrepreneurial principles apply across the board, right? So, uh, but there are variations. So the discussion always about these philanthropic uh, initiatives better is, always involves, you know, what's the sustainability? right so we need to have a serious discussion of what the definition of sustainability is so some people say if uh, if you're not generating uh, internal income you're not sustainable so don't go out in the initiative i'm not sure i am an adherent to that concept i am one that says let's define what impact is let's define what your uh, eventual mission and what do you really want to do and let's see how we can actually get that funding going so that your impact matters. Because at the end of the day, it is not about financial sustainability alone in the traditional sense. It is about the impact that you want to do. And then each project by itself in that accelerator, you can define of how you're going to get forward in doing certain things. So if... It is about educating people on the complete, you know, the poorest of the poor and getting them to learn. And you can't actually generate income out of that in the traditional sense. There are people that will continuously give you from a foundation so that your impact happens. And, you know, some of these projects also end because if you go with a mission and you solve it, You actually have to shut down and say, I've achieved my mission and I want to do something else or something else happens. So uh, uh, the accelerators are essential. There aren't enough of them. There are some in the world that are happening, uh, but I think accelerators are, are essential because that's how we show these young people who have ideas that there are people there to nurture them and help them, put them together so that we realize, is this doable? What impact does it have? and what returns are we thinking about is it financial returns or societal returns again back to the definitions how do we define things how do we understand things together so that whatever we do we it gets to a point where it achieves uh, what we want to do at the end of the day in these social impact accelerators it is impacting society for the well-being of society
0: absolutely and I'm glad you said that. Inshallah when the accelerator is uh, created and we start working in the in the in the Middle East, inshallah we can work together on that. I'm
1: on, on consider me uh, uh, automatically part of it.
0: Thank you so much. Um, so uh, finally please be so kind as to share a few notable lessons uh, that you've learned from your own experiences in philanthropy uh, and what advice might you give to others to those who might uh, be embarking uh, on their own philanthropic journeys, or at least considering uh, becoming more active in that space? Some key lessons, some key pitfalls, anything that, that comes to mind?
1: Better work in marginalized communities makes a difference for these people's lives, right? It is working for the long term. This is not about instant gratification. This is about long-term hard work. You will be fought. You will be questioned. People will question your intentions. You know, when I first went to the first community of Ruwad, they thought I was running for elections. They said, you know, who the heck are you? Why are you coming here? Where is your money from? Is it, uh, is it halal? Uh, are you? Uh, is this a, cons- a global conspiracy to get the Palestinians to settle down uh, in Jordan, etc.? And I, I can, um, you know, there are certain things I won't tell you of how I was fought. <laughs> we were fought, but um, I mean, we wanted to actually do that. So, and then when we showed people in these marginalized communities, and I don't blame them for being skeptical about who these, you know, strangers with money coming there. Uh, when we started the work, when we started showing them that we are serious and we're doing stuff. They adopt you. They want to be reached out to. They are completely on board with you. They will work with you. So uh, strategic philanthropy works. It is essential and it is, should be at the core of, 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 uh, of the thinking and philosophy of anybody in the, in the private sector who actually uh, uh, made it. And, and needs to do more in the society that he lives in. So that's my biggest lesson. That's where I get my satisfaction that it actually works, but it takes time. I'll tell you the first time I felt that Ruad was working was 10 years after we launched it. And in talking to the community and feeling what they feel about it. And then I said, it's working. We need to do more of it. We need to go deeper in it, but it works. It does work.
0: Habib <laughs> Nafadi. You are an inspiration to many, uh, more than you probably know. Uh, I look forward to many, uh, many more years, uh, decades uh, of friendship ahead, inshallah. And of course, uh, our next in-person get-together in the near future. Thank you again.
1: Thank you so much, Badr. It's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. And and good luck with the work. It's essential work for you.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you.